Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Michael. Good morning, Mark. I hear you had a really busy week, so <laughs> you've got to tell me all about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm caffeine-fueled this morning. It's got. Uh, uh, and also, the reason for the, the earlier start on a Saturday morning, we're crazy, aren't we? Working on a Saturday morning. <laughs> but this is, this is not work, is it? So if somebody hears a kid screaming in the background, it's probably from my side. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very busy week. Um, it's funny, I kept on having the phrase during the week, um, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That, yeah. that, I think there's a song title, it's a quote from somewhere, and uh, that's how it felt. Uh, and it's not just it's not just the hours that you're actually working, it's the thinking. I find sometimes that it's difficult to sleep afterwards, yeah. because my mind, you, you get revved up. Yeah, um, I, I had this... Yeah, exactly. And so you have to find a way to cool down. Yeah. And two, you sometimes can do really stupid mistakes. I went to bed like 12.30, busy, and I did the mistake of just checking one thing on my phone. Like I, I sent out a free course. We'll talk about that later, a free course. And I just wanted to know what's the impact. And I saw this massive peak on my website. I mean, like suddenly 300 people visiting in a very short period of time. And I'm like, big smile, thinking, this worked and then I thought ah, I need to set up that, 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 that and I slept so badly because I was just working and working at night thinking about it. How much sleep do you normally need? Because people are different aren't they? Between six to seven. More seven than six. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably similar. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably okay on six. Yeah, it depends what you do. If you have some beers then yeah, it's, I mean seven, seven good quality I can, I can, can resist anything let's say it like that yeah. i don't need more that's fine i, I must admit I'm, I'm definitely not in favor of being sleep deprived you know i've 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 actually worked with people i remember one particular chap and he used to tell everyone that he would sleep he would survive on two to three hours a night regularly i don't know how true that was but i know a guy i i, I spend the whole time working with a guy <clears throat> a founder of a company and he literally slept two, three hours every single night. And I saw him working. I saw it sometimes. I, I, I can't handle it. I stopped doing it because I said to him, said, this is insane. But he started having other problems. Uh, he, he sometimes was bored because he just didn't need to sleep. He said, yeah, I've seen every movie that, that exists. And he was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was really amazing. He had too much time sometimes. Yeah, I know, I know it can sometimes happen as a friend of mine. A photographer and um, he suffers from Parkinson's unfortunately and the medication that he's taking on occasions just keeps him awake and oh. his 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 output of photography was phenomenal because yeah. it also made him quite obsessive and he would be out taking photographs he would be in London overnight taking photographs he'd come back and process them yeah. the, the, the volume of photographs that he was doing was incredible but you you can't keep that up You've got to have balance in your life. You got to, You will pay the price somewhere. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So I, let I, me. Yeah. Let me mention very quickly this value ladder thing that I built. 
because it's free. It's a free online course. It's three movies. I'm explaining what a value letter is, how you can align sales and marketing. And I've made this very nice canvas that you can download and play around. We'll put the URL down in the podcast. Mark, I know you will use it as of today, but I'm really proud about the whole uh, the whole thing. Excellent. Did you want to give a quick overview or just leave no, it No, no, like just we'll put the URL down in, in the, at the podcast. And people just, I would just say, I explained the whole thing, what it does. It's an unbelievably strong tool to align your sales and marketing, to make sure they work together and that you can actually make sure your marketing machine becomes extremely productive because most marketing machines, for me, are not productive enough. They're not fast enough. And this is a very good way of, of doing it. And yeah. if you have any comments, you can just mail me. You can just reach out to me. I'm really curious to see what you guys think and uh, where I need to adapt things if you don't agree. Well, I've got well, a I've got a long list here of things <laughs> that I could discuss because go on, um, go on. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing workshops. I was in Germany uh, just yesterday. I had a full day of of seeing new potential clients, where I was sitting down with a colleague of mine, Guy Sprague, and um, we we sort of parked ourselves up at the Eight Members Club in London, which I'm a member. And we just saw prospect after prospect after prospect and, and actually some really interesting businesses. But when you're seeing lots of people like that, one after another, it, it really helps in, in getting into the mindset of CEO software um, people. That, yeah. And I think that's, that's really important. You start to see through their eyes some of the issues that they're coming up against. Because yeah. when you're looking from the outside, sometimes it may appear that the things that they need to address within their business is really obvious, but there's a lot going on in their world. So I, yeah. I always find that that very, very fascinating. The good thing, actually, and this was something you were involved in, the seminar that we did in September, um, three of the companies were as a result of that seminar, and we had really good feedback from them. And this wasn't this wasn't us prompting them, you know. How good do you think our seminar was? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. None of that. I hate all that stuff. You know, how good do you think we are? That sort of thing. No, these guys just started off by saying, by the way, came to your seminar, excellent, really good, lots of things that stimulated our thinking. They were the sort of feedback. So you were part of that success. For some reason, in particular, that September seminar was even better than the seminars that we'd run before. I don't know if we did anything differently. Uh, I think it's different every time to a degree. I, I put on different clothes. Maybe maybe that's the thing. Funny, funky, in, in, funky shoes. Yeah, funny. In the feedback, they didn't say, we thought that seminar was great and we loved Michael's clothes. They didn't it's, mention it's, that. But it's probably subliminal. They're shy. It's the English yeah. They're just yeah. shy. Yeah. Shy doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that was really interesting. And I think that, that, um, that for me really accentuates the the need to get face to face with with prospects and for for let your your target market get to know you because you know websites are fine and and I think well websites should be should be a start of the conversation uh, there's a whole podcast just talking about websites cuz guys software technology got to admit the vast majority of you are awful you're just terrible at it, you, you know. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, <laughs> you know, I like to... It's fr- Saturday, Wednesday, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> it, well, I mean, come on, guys. I know that most, a lot of them come from a technical background, but 
we do have some battles with our clients. And I think it's it's about mindset, but that's another topic. But actually getting to meet people, you get a feel for them. And I think they get a feel for us, which is good. And it's not just meeting me, you know, it's meeting a number of people from Boss Equity. And I think that helps as well. Mm -hmm. um, because we do have a culture, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. And I think they can start to feel that, you know, and what we're about. So I would definitely recommend where your product is suitable because obviously that's holding seminars is not necessarily going to be a good way forward but it could definitely be one of the marketing columns um you know yeah fully agree we would i think we mentioned last week about the generational differences that we're seeing you've got that, that new generation of software entrepreneur um that are which, very comfortable which, very comfortable yeah and, and by the way you you yeah i i organized another one that somewhere in November, 21 of November, and it's only for scale-up, startup scale I'm only scale-up CEOs. Oh, yes. Yes, how's it going? And I was yes, booked I'm... out in an hour. Super. 40 slots. And the cool thing was, because I thought, let's add some funkiness to it, we're doing it in a VR hall. So Ooh. in between, we have VR sessions, That's like nice. five people playing against five people, whatever they want to do, uh, just to spice it up a bit. But it was like sold out. I mean, sold out. It, it just gone immediately so cool. there is a still a strong need for this type of uh i think seminars where you give a lot of value uh and and basically you share expertise what's what's the topic i mean i know i've got a slot how long have i got to be talking for if you're going to talk five about hours, 40, 40 minutes and i said oh uh, 40 minutes you know it has oh. to be go fast and 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 easily digestible huh? so it's all about your sharing experience of selling 150 companies mark i've got I've got four hours ready for you. No, I, I just want you to squeeze in because you're the guy preventing them to go shoot zombies. I mean, it's a tough oh, spot. Right. It's a tough you, spot. What, what the most important one. I bet you've probably put me on last after dinner or something like that, haven't you? Exactly. Just oh. four drinks. <laughs> yes. And you know so. why? You know why? Because that's what they do to me every time. And I thought, Mark comes over my event. I'm going to make him suffer. <laughs> okay. So, so you've, you've set it up. So they're running around getting tired. You're going to feed them. And then I'm the last person on. No, I'm, no, no. I'm, in, you're I'm the, the obstacle between them and getting drinks. Yes, Great. You're, you're the one between them and drinks and the zombie shooting. Thanks for that. Yeah. Pleasure. I don't know. I'm gonna to have to no, do. Yeah. I'm gonna to have to do something. I'm gonna do something that's going to surprise you then, because I've got to wake up that audience and I've got to make them want to listen to me. So I'm gonna do something to really surprise you. It's gonna shock you. We we have this expression in Belgium, and you know something goes wrong or something happens. We say, <laughs> "God punishes immediately." So I'm pretty sure you did something wrong somewhere, right? <laughs> I thought I thought you I thought your saying was going to be put the Englishman on last. <laughs> Well, actually, I think the whole session, it's afternoon. I'm just going to annoy you the whole way through. That's Build up the pressure. No, no. I mean, you annoy me. I mean, I'm used to that. I have to speak to you on a regular basis. Uh, that won't affect me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, hey, you just said something to me, by the way, about um, – you asked me a question in the week about demos and, and sales demos. Yes, What's that yes, 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 yes. Um, I, one of the things that um, – that occurred to me and I've seen this a, a number of times and sometimes you get a bit of a light bulb moment when you're looking at a, a company um, I mean software demonstrations I've seen a few in my time I can imagine, and, yeah. Yeah. and um, 
Who do you, who would you say who is responsible for putting together a software demo? So, so now comes the interesting one. So in many of the companies I'm dealing with, that's a very big topic. The first thing that I see is that if they show me a demo out of the blue, a sales guy, most of the time it's extremely technical and it goes on for an hour, which is a big problem. Just just an hour? <laughs> just an hour, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty happy. And then what they do is the demo is an hour, but they first explain to you everything they have for an hour, right? So you, you it's, it's crazy. So it's very simple for me. If you just look at the flow, let's say sales narrative, including the sales demo from a sales perspective, I would say if the demo is, speaks for itself and it's really, really good, put it in front uh, as soon as possible for the simple reason that it makes things very tangible. So frame it, give it context, start. Because you know when you start a presentation, whatever you do, you have a peak of attention the first four or five minutes. And if it's really good, you have to start it there. But first, always frame the problem, right? That that makes things, that creates sense of urgency from a sales point of view. Two, the demo itself needs to be in line with the story you've told. If you tell them the problems are one, two, three, and then you do a demo that's completely unrelated and just goes into feature, 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 you're in trouble. So you need to make sure that the demo story aligns with the sales story. And what I always, always miss, Mark, is I call it the hidden pearl. Like you show, like I'm just saying something. You're in, in this inner flow. You're showing an example of another customer. And then you say, you see this thing here? What, what would be your perception? And then I, I go into and I say, look, this company actually – when they looked at this uh, graph, or the conclusion they made was that, and then they did that, and then it made their business scale multiplied by three, whatever, something like that. These little gems, these little pearls in there, people just don't do it. And it's stupid because that's exactly why people will remember and will talk about it. So who needs to do the demo? I always love sales to be able to do a short, quick demo, the highlights. And then uh, I would uh, set it up in such a way that because you know you will have multiple meetings that then you really put the techies together and then they can go deep, deep, deep into the software. Um, but I think sales, even management, should be able to do a rough cut of the demo. That's really exciting. So to be specific on my side, because I think that there may be several demos, I'm talking about the, the first exposure for a potential client to that a, software. Is it a is it a very complex product or not? Because that's a big difference. Well, it can be. Um, I'm I'm, th I'm talking in more general terms. Okay. Because so, yeah, but there is a cutter. So if you have a rather because I meet a lot of guys that have apps on the phone and all of that. If it's yes. a rather lighter, uh, let's say between brackets product, then I think the sales should be able to handle that perfectly fine for the first demo. If you go into more high-end, so I'm thinking big data, high-end dashboards, uh, financial KPI kind of stuff, then I would love to have the pre-sales if, if you have that role there because it's pure expertise. And then the sales or family or whomever frames the thing, a few slides or a story, and then you have a 20-minute maximum. I always aim for the first demo at 20 minutes, no more, because it needs to be a teaser for the next meeting. I don't agree with any of that. Interesting, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I do. I do. I do agree with some of that. I do. I, I think <laughs> almost gave me a heart. I think I'm thinking, yeah, that's total rubbish, Michael. Come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love this. And then, you know, silence. And then you should say like two, three seconds. And then you say, no. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yes. <laughs> or wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. First of all, I think the, the 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 really encouraging thing that I heard from you was was it's got to be aligned. It's got to be aligned to that story. That's so important. Number one, I'd put that right at number one. I I think that it does been a lot of the, a lot of our clients probably do have the more complex software solutions. Though it does yeah. vary. There are more now of the platform companies that we were dealing with the apps, where it's it's it should be intuitive. You know, yeah, this is not... it's, it's a user experience. Eh? It's C C X customer yeah. experience, and that's less with the more high end. I mean, SAP is just not user experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I I think that actually it should be put together by the marketing department because I think that they are the experts in communication, and I think I, it goes. I I would I would well I have a bit of an issue there. And you know okay. why? Each time when I see marketing doing stuff, yep. they forget one basic sales concept, which is the sense of urgency. Marketeers just don't do that for some reason. That's very salesy. So that's where I think sales and marketing needs to come together because who's sitting in front of the customer every day? It's the sales. It's not marketing. But then again, sales can't expect marketing to make stuff if they do not give input. So I think marketing should make it together with user uh, success, with customer success. But what do you mean by, and specifically in the software demonstration, that lack of urgency? Because I I agree with you. I mean, what I was going to say is, I think marketing needs to put together that sort of first draft because they need to be making sure that it's aligned with their story, with that narrative behind the business. And they need to be, I mean, if marketing don't know what the key message is, what that narrative is, nobody's going to know it. No. Then I think it needs input from from sales. And then you need to get the technical involved and get and get their input. But I think it needs to be on, on the shoulders of your market, as long as you've got the right marketing no, people within your I, company, of course. I agree, but... What's the, what's the lack also, of urgency bit? In, in, it's a very simple. Demo. The lack of urgency is a simple one. Why should they buy it now? You need to answer the question: Why now? But do you think? Do you think that comes out in a demonstration of a software? Surely oh, that's boy. part of a presentation. I do that. I do that. I I always was pretty good in demoing. I do that in the demo. I show them. The, that's why I said add a, a black pearl in there. Add something that that you can say that company because of just this one feature here. Oh, okay. And that sense of urgency because people, they see all this thing coming at them and they think, yeah, I kind of like it. And then these one or two pearls are there and they say, I want that. I want to triple my revenue or I, I want to cut costs or I don't know what they want, right? But something to create that the why now, that's very important. And I'll keep banging on that every time. And then when they found it, every time I see, it makes a massive difference in numbers. Very but- but the why now question is something that marketing should be handling anyway in their communication. They and they should be, yet they, they should don't do that. They don't well, do that. Well, that, that takes us back to why is, why is software tech so bad at marketing? <laughs> not, not, not all companies, but, but the, uh, the, your pearl, 
is what I call a punctum. What? How do you call it? Punctum. Punctum. P-U-N-C-T-U-M. It just sounds like a dirty word for me as a native (laughs) speaker. No, no, no. You little punctum, come over here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it could work actually. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it it actually it's, it's quite an interesting word. It, it was um, it was brought into to being popular in the photographic world by uh, a Frenchman, I believe it was. I'll, I'll dig up the details. But what it is, he did an analysis of thousands of top images, and his target was to say what makes these images really very very popular. And there were a number of things that he pulled out, but he said there is always in the really great photographs, there's one aspect that is different and it stands out and it makes people really look. Actually, the the word punctum comes from the medical dictionary and it's a small duct that's just on your lower eyelid and it helps to keep the, the eye lubricated. But it's to do with attracting in the sense that he was using. It's, it's getting people to really open their eyes and go, wow. Punctum. It, it makes people sit up. So the the demonstration obviously needs to flow as part of, of the story, the narrative. But then you need something that they go, wow. And I think a good marketing person should should know this, should have that. So what, what, let, let me then ask you a question. So what you see in many uh, companies now is a new role. It's called customer success. Yeah. In essence, it's more than just support. It's making sure your customer is happy and is using it. Yes. And that's something else than support. Support is passive. Customer success is active. And uh, what I always ask these, these people is to make use cases because they're actually sitting on the real use case, which is sometimes something else than we all think when we make our software, right? Um, I always ask them to give a lot of input on the demos because they are the guys that, that, that actually... Yes. You see, so yeah. so I think we need to make sure that that's there. Also, the other thing that we haven't even mentioned is, even in a demo, we should. Always fell off my chair, Mark. Got so excited. <laughs> so I have one of those. You're not being attacked there. by a chicken yeah. that you it's had like, in your office before, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a chair. You know, it's good for your back. They they are fundamentally imbalanced, but if you're not paying attention, you. <laughs> You fall off it anyway. So we're going to keep that in. We're not going to. We're not going to edit that out. I, I like. I like the visual imagery of you falling off your chair as you're talking and getting excited. Let's go for it. You're so in trouble on that next event. <laughs> okay, back to business. Sorry. So the 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 one thing that I also try to add into a demo is like a, a call to action kind of thing in yeah, the demo. Sure. Yeah. Or something extremely interactive. And I don't know why people don't do it, but something stupid like you're talking in front of three, four people, and then you say, hey, uh, Peter, check your email now, and you pull them into the demo. Yeah, That's something I I, I, I... I mean, even with companies that have software that actually does that, they don't do it. And I'm like, guys, yeah, but... I said, it makes things so touchable and tangible and alive, and it leaves a mark. Because yes. you want them to go back and say, hey, look at this thing. Yeah. I I, I recommend to many uh, software companies that when they've finished that demo and, you know, you, you, you've still got this prospect as, as a, the suspect has become a prospect, 
you've still got the alignment is to again relating back to what we were saying earlier is to be able to see through your client's eyes what's the next step that they've got to make and I would say try and provide them something and if it's a small step provide it for free but make sure that it's something of value that helps them in moving forward so something that can help them in coming to the right decision about this implementation about this software because it's not just a case of seeing a demo and say fine let's just go with it unless it's a very simple product but typically you know we're talking about enterprise software sales and there's a process that they need to go through is think about what work now is going to be put upon their shoulders so, yeah. that you can help them with and provide it for free because you're right at the beginning of that relationship and there's always value in 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 giving something you know giving the gift i just on that topic, actually, there was a there was an experiment um, done many years ago. I'm trying to can't remember the name of it, but it, it's something that you now see, and it actually doesn't have as much effect because it's overused. When you go to a restaurant, when they bring you the bill, how often do you see restaurants and they leave a mint or a sweet or a something? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a reason for that because it increases the tips by between twenty and thirty percent. One I, small sweet. I actually heard a really interesting, um, read a really interesting article of a, of a guy who used to be in the um, hospitality business, so restaurants, and his theory was, he said, you fundamentally want people to get hooked, and they only get hooked after the third time. So your only goal is when they come the first time to make sure they come back the second time. So he would actually say, if you come again within two weeks, I'll give you a 15% discount. And yep. then when they would come back, he would do something again. And and then he, he actually made the calculation uh, in in the article where he says, look, you think you're losing money, but you're not actually. I mean, it was really impressive. Now, let me give you, that's very B2C. Let me give you a very good example in B2B of what you're saying, next actions. So I'm dealing with this company. It's a pretty difficult product to sell. It's mm. very high-end, a lot of departments. I mean, it's like platform approach. So... What we realized while we're doing those first two meetings is that you know you need a few other meetings. So the call to action at the end is a slide that basically says two things. It says literally next actions, and it says one, organize a technical meeting to get the techies uh, together to really dig deep, and two is a use case inspirational session with the executives because – they have a problem. They're kind of stuck. So basically what the company does then is get some of these executives together and show them how others have solved it, one use case after the other, and you put some logos there. And it's crazy because what I've seen is that almost every single time when they are interested, by the way, because that's something else, it triggers them, and they always book the two meetings straight away. Yes. And that's exactly what you want. <clears throat> case studies, Case studies, I think, have been yeah. used for a long time and I think they're important because it's it's showing peer approval. Yep, it's it's true. showing people like me like this product. Or inspirational. Yes. We want to be like that. But if you look to the, the stage boys, uh, all the big stage boys, that's what they do. Huh? They let you dream with some of these examples. But I've got a but here. Ah. Hmm. The, the the software industry is more and more competitive. And 
you know, what, what I've been saying and what I'm really focused on is, is about looking at those most productive companies, those that can, can be head and shoulders above the rest. Actually, you don't even need to be head and shoulders. You just need to be a, a little bit better. And I think there's a lot of companies, very few companies aren't showing, you know, those case studies or, or they've got references. Everybody's doing that. The very few that don't do it. So you've got to think, what more can we do here? Because if when everyone starts doing it, it's like this thing I was saying about in restaurants, it increases the tips by sort of 20, 30%. Now, they were the stats when this was first introduced and it wasn't so common. I'd like to see the same study now because people become accustomed that, true, yeah, everybody, true, true, true. Get, everybody gets yeah. that. So I would First guess. First mover advantage, actually, almost. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I would yeah. guess that those stats would have changed now. So what you need now is some, you need to do that, absolutely, and you wouldn't want to avoid that step. But I think that you need to have something, almost like a personal gift that you're saying to this person, here's something I can give you that I think can help you. It's from me to you you've probably got to do this as your next step here's a, i mean it can be the, the white white papers but i think we've got to be even smarter than that now white papers again the software industry overused People, and, everybody oh, downloads it nobody reads it yeah and they're put together in the wrong way you know I, and I boring I, as hell. I saw a company and what they were doing was they created mini guides yeah i loved it just the word mini and they did it in the right way, people think, oh, I can read this. I can digest this in a short term. Because you know white paper, just, just, you don't start because it's just a horror to read. It's just too much. And I, these mini guys, these guys, they got like thousands of downloads on it. I've seen it, I've seen it in the document management industry where they're, they're providing the customer with an ROI calculator and ah, i think that, i'm not I think always that, in favor yeah. i think that that can work because with document management especially when you're talking about capture it can be quite clearly defined it's not necessarily as easy and again that worked very well for a while and then everyone started doing it but it could be as simple as providing that particular customer with an infographic that is tailored for them so it's it's showing them some aspect about the software. Maybe it's 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 the process moving forward. Maybe it's how it could potentially work within that organisation. Maybe it's it's just spending twenty minutes on the phone to to create a map that is tailored for that particular customer that helps them in their thinking. You know, because I'm a great believer in visual thinking. That it's helps like a canvas, people. Eh? Get yeah. If you imagine you've then flip it into a canvas that Can, multiple yeah. customers leave it behind, and then we go back to the point that all of you need to see that my lessons, my free lessons of the value ladder canvas, because it's exactly that principle, basically. Ca canvas, maybe. Again, I've got, I've got a slight objection to canvas. <laughs> <laughs> I be, know what you're going to say. I because what happens? Because most of them are just ugly. I know they're, they're ugly and also I mean we see beautiful, beautiful. I see you I will see cry truth. Mark when you see it yeah no I mean if you've if you've got a canvas that really stands out great and I think you know you can get a lot of value in it but what typically happens is a new trend happens within the software industry somebody brings out a book or does a great video 
And I find that within a few months, everyone's talking about canvases and they do half-hearted attempts and it, and it starts to lose value because a few people get a canvas and they look at it and they think, that's ugly. I don't even want to look at it. And it loses its effect. But if you can create a canvas that really stands out, is visually appealing, it's engaging, then great. But I think the other, my other concern in, in using that word canvas is the fact that I think it also can be restrictive in your creativity in regarding what can I provide of free in that first step helping the customer move closer to us that is tailored to them that is seen as being a gift a way of helping them that they will be grateful for but be really creative mm -hmm. don't be limited by the idea of restricted by this idea of a canvas there are many many things that can be done and i think sometimes when these trends happen and, and we put you know the latest buzzword marketing it can be restrictive on your thinking and i think yeah. That's that's it's important within an organization that you have your, your your technical people, but you have your creatives involved here and sometimes bring in creatives from outside the industry because <clears throat> I think they will be less inclined to be restricted. You know, when you start to when you get very close to your own business and when you've seen lots of other software companies, it can be a little bit of a blinker. Whereas mm -hmm. somebody coming in from the outside can apply techniques. That's why I'm, I mean, I, I'm talking about punctum. That's something that I've brought in from photography. I think that actually works, that concept, that idea. And when I explain it to people, they get it. And mm -hmm. it, it sparks their creativity. I do the same because I've been very much involved with sport. I think, what are the real principles within sport that we can apply here? It's not exactly the same, but it sparks the thinking. And I think sometimes we get cliched thinking and we all end up doing the same sort of thing. And if you're looking to be one of the top one or two percent, you've got to be highly creative. Mm -hmm. so, no, no, fully but, agree. But, but I agree. I mean, if you do something and it's what a lot of other people are doing, but you just do it better, you, you will distinguish yourself. Or just, yeah. And it, it can be stupid stuff like just making it, make it look good. Design. Absolutely, it can be can be lots of little things. People don't. I mean, I'm a strong believer. If when something looks beautiful, people attribute uh, higher things to it. So I'll I'll design things to make it look nicer. Yeah, a great image. Yeah, voilà. is so powerful. And also, if you've got really great imagery that you use consistently, and it and it and it starts to represent a concept that your customer understands. It becomes a shorthand for them. There's a process that you need to follow in order for that to happen, but it enables what I'd call the chunking thinking about mm -hmm. your company, your software, which that is so powerful. I mean, again, it's a, it's we could spend half a day talking about that, but you no, know no, that absolutely. the way that chess players, the really great chess players, they're not thinking about 20 moves. They think about 20 moves as a chunk. And it's a similar sort of thinking. Wherever you see people that excel, it's because they get to that stage where they can think about a whole lot of complex moves, but as a chunk. And visual representation is a very good way of doing that. You, you will be doing that. You'll be doing that in sales. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. It sounds very sales. That the, I also think I really encourage... Because what you see, a lot of what you've told, you see that a lot in, in the B2C space. 
you see that less and less in the B2B. Yes. And actually, I truly believe from a pure B2B point of view, you should look into that B2C and copy some of the stuff because it's still human behavior. It's just human behavior. I, I, I've got to, I've, we're coming towards the end of the podcast and unfortunately we've got to be moving towards the end and I'm going to be agreeing with you because I think... No, no, no it's <laughs> happening. Don't yeah. do this. I, I have a bad weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all right. I'll say something right at the very end. But no, but you're right. B to C, I think they get more exposure to, to that end consumer. They've got yeah, to because, be selling because more. Because it's impulse buying also. And yeah. You, you have to get them immediately hooked and in B2B, we're kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, we have time. I mean, I don't know why there was such a big difference, actually. I mean, I know why, but it's different. They're often, a lot of them have to sell off the page. And they can see in clear data, that works, that doesn't. Or that works better than that. B2B is, is, is often more complex. And in that process, they're not able to extract that data. And, and you and I will have both seen some terrible demos. You know, sometimes I, I quite often I, I think you're just making this up as you go along and it could go anywhere and they're telling me look how great look how great this interface is you know and I, I'm thinking I, yeah, I don't yeah. agree it just doesn't look great I started saying that to people because I think it's it's if I have to change one thing in the world it's I have to be in a really nice way I'm saying look that's where we don't agree or here, yeah. And I just show them something else. And then they have all these, yeah, but, but, and I said, no, there is no, but you need to fix this because that's what's stopping you from making more money from growing or from scale. You're, you're playing the part of a good consultant. Yeah, actually, actually I am, Mark. You are. Now you made me happy again for a weekend. <laughs> uh, I think, I think we're on a winner now. You know, that's a, some winning note. It's a good place to end the podcast. We're 37 minutes. That went quickly, didn't it? I've got eight things, eight things I was going to mention. I mentioned one. Write them down so yeah, that next time I can ignore them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you send me what you want to talk about for next week, and then I'll, I'll start thinking about how I can contradict you and say I don't agree. Always <laughs> <laughs> a joy. These conversations. I think I'm going to go home now. (laughs) Yeah. You go play with your chicken. Go on. Go and fall off your chair. (laughs) All right. It's been great speaking to you, Michael. Um, We we consistently are getting some feedback, by the way. Um, I'm I'm hearing good things. People are enjoying the podcast. So please keep it coming. I've not had so many people saying to us, talk about this or this is something that's causing us a problem or what do you think about this i mean we'll, we'll have a go at anything won't we any topic in the software Any... industry may not be right but we'll have a go at it and uh, we'll see so until next week um thank you for listening thank you to you michael and thank this you. is the boss it podcast goodbye <laughs>